Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. Practical Guitarist Podcast is brought to you by Great Lakes Guitar Pickups. Great Lakes Guitar Pickups provides fantasy tones at prices a practical guitarist will love. Featuring top-notch construction, attention to detail, and a fully custom product, if you can dream it, Great Lakes Guitar Pickups can probably build it. Follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pickups. Are you a regular listener? Why not? David here reminding you of all the ways you can participate in the Practical Guitarist Podcast. Subscribe using your chosen podcast app. Review us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Practical Guitarist, or on Twitter as at Practical Guitarist. Support the show. Merchandise is available in our Threadless store at practicalguitaristpodcast.threadless.com. And donate to us via Patreon, available at patreon.com slash practicalguitarist. Reach out to us directly via email at questions at practicalguitarist.com. Hi, David. There was no middle finger. I didn't have anything to laugh at. Yeah, that, well, you're still laughing, though. <laughs> I'm laughing. I laugh all the time. Folks, there's a reason that I don't smoke pot. Anyway, I, guess um, need it. <laughs> I definitely don't need it. I'm a, I'm usually a pretty happy person. He's a giggler. Um, so we're, we're recording these, these, um, ahead of time, but, uh, I want to talk a little bit about those who get paid to play. And, uh, many of us, um, are musicians who, you know, there's, there's folks that don't ever get paid to play. I want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, me. For those of you that are in, <laughs> well, those of you who are in basements and stuff, that's cool. Um, or in your room. I mean, nowadays it used to be, oh, you had to go to the basement. I could just go to your room, put a set of headphones on. I go in my living room, turn that shit up so everybody has to leave. I know you do. <laughs> you do. We've seen the videos. Um, so, but I want to talk um, at least briefly, at least part of this episode. Um, I want to say a little thing about uh, musicians who uh, play out. And that is, if you're going to play at the holidays, um, do yourself, do yourself and the, the community a favor. And that is take the time to, when you book the gig and when you decide on the gig, don't just take the regular money that they're offering. you. You're out there during the holidays on the roads, you know, doing a festive occasion. They're making more money. That's their objective, right? Yeah, especially if you have to pay money. money. If you have to play Christmas Eve and, right. and you're going to have to learn the fucking Christmas songs to go with it too. Yeah. I didn't get to that. I didn't just, even get to pony that. up. <laughs> Do yourselves a favor and ask for a little more jingle in your, in your pocket. Um, if they're not willing to pay a little more for holiday cheer, so to speak, overtime. then don't do it. it. That's right. It's like overtime. I mean, so many musicians are already cheapening the the um, club scene, um, and they're, they're, by paying for for free or for beer and peanuts, and almost on a literal sense, um, and it's and it's silly. It's just plain silly. 
if a band when I was in um, when I was in bands in the early '80s, we were paid, you know, uh, five hundred bucks. We made about a hundred dollars a person, but that was 1982, 1980. I mean, I, I don't remember what I was getting earlier than that, but I do remember that. And, and now you're looking at um, uh, we're we're what forty years on almost, <laughs> thirty five years on, and we're still making five hundred dollars. Come on, what, what job, even minimum wage, has stayed at that price point? Why are bands not making as much? Yeah, and if anything, like our, what we do, has actually increased. I mean, look at look at. Um, I was listening to the Line Six podcast, and they were talking about people using tracks in bar bands, and I'm going, that that right there, the level of effort required there means more money. Um, in the, in my opinion, so either you as a bar band have to realize like you're a bar band and you don't do this or number two, if the, if the venue is wanting it and they're willing to let you do the tracks, you charge an extra amount of money to bring in the tracks. That's, that's the way I look at it. Um, now granted you have to price yourself in the market. So it's one of those things where, especially if you're a cover band and you're going to bring in tracks and you're going to charge more for it, you better damn well know whether the other bands are already doing that and you better know what they're getting or at least have an idea of what they're getting. Yeah. I mean, I just, so this isn't just for this holiday. I mean, bands that yeah. are playing New Year's Eve, People bands play that play Easter, 4th of July, I mean, bands that play Halloween. Yeah. Bands that, yeah. Bands that play, um, yeah, the Christian things, Easter and stuff. And it, um, if you're playing, um, it's one thing if you're playing your son's um, or, or wife's or best friend's birthday party. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one thing. And like, don't I know a lot of people th- don't think, think your friends won't take advantage of you. Well, I know people who do that for free too. Just like, well, I'm not giving you a gift, but I will play your party. Like kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, but again, that's one of those things where like, I even, I would be like, look, you know, just so you know, this is the monetary value I'm gifting to you. So if you want me to play next year, like you're going to have to pay. Uh, Cause yeah. I don't intend on doing this forever for free. I, it sounds super dickish to say that uh, if you're not, making money on your music but the reality is like you haul your fucking gear there you set it up you have to like manage that whole thing and if you have other band members coming with you that's a big pain in the ass i'll tell you something else dickish is when you're a band member say you're the singer or the drummer or whatever and then uh your sister's birthday is coming up say hey guys i want us to play my sister's birthday i told her we would yeah Um, yeah then the band's like, wait a minute, how much are we getting paid I'm, for this? Yeah, I'm getting paid. It's one thing if it's your birthday. I don't know your sister from anybody on this planet. I could have been out, you know, hitting on your sister last night at the bar. For maybe you were. <laughs> I, and if I was, maybe it would be a good idea to, no. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but on a side note, seriously, though, yeah. I'm not playing your sister's wedding for free. We've got um, one of our bandmates, our lead singer. She's like, yeah, I want to play my brother's uh, birthday, but we're all getting paid. She's not, she's doing it for free. So that's how we're getting, they're getting a bargain. That's her gift to him is to have her do it for free, but we've still got to drag our gear. We've still got to go over to a bunch of people's house. We don't know and get treated like folks that are, why are you even here? Yeah, That's what most people are doing at a party. I know a guy, he got, he got invited to sit in with, um, 
singer guitar player and, and, and he thought it was going to be a club and it turned out it was a party it was an art gallery opening i think but it ended up being at this like person's house right and it, so it's really not even an art gallery right and he gets he gets called in and so he comes in and he says at first you see like i should say no because before this before it even got out of control because like i don't know what the situation is no uh, i'm gonna do it as a favor shows up comes in he carries all his gear in um and the other guy shows up and he's got like a Fender champ solid state amp and like Squire guitar guy can't play for shit. Um, and he doesn't have anything to amplify his vocals. Like it, it, it just ends up being a complete debacle. And, you know, that's what the kind of crap you get into when you volunteer to play for people's parties. Like you don't even know what you're walking into half the time. And again, like Jim said, I've seen situations where like a cover band's like, oh, well, I'm going to play this because, you know, some, my, my friend's wedding or whatever. And then they're, you know, they're like, I'm not coming because you're not paying me, you know, it's, or, or, or you know, I, I don't agree to do this unless I'm being paid. So then like half the band shows up at, or, or, or one of the members plus, you know, plus the guy that's actually like related to them shows up. And then it just ends up being a giant debacle because they don't have the gear they need. They don't have, you know, like all those things don't end up materializing. That's what I said, like, one of those things where you really should be getting compensated for this. And even if you're not, like, if you volunteer to do that, just expect to have to pay your band members at least. You know, it may, out of the kindness of your heart, it may be really a gift. You know, you're not donating your services. You're donating other people's services. So, right. Which is not exactly a donation. But I get to, I get to these things. So the, the thing is that, um, you know, now clubs are starting to expect that their, their um, special evenings for which they make more money and i'm gonna i'm gonna give a um a story here yeah go ahead for example um and uh they they um they expect to be able to pay you the same amount of money even though it's a night where they're gonna make more so i'll i'll give i don't know if i've told this story yeah, here before, you have but, it but but oh, i don't think so but but you know that's one of those things where like you should be making sure that when you get paid that you're negotiating part of both the door, if they're charged door fee and also that you're getting part of the drinks. Cause that's ridiculous. I'm sorry. If they're going to have 500 people show up because you're playing and you're only going to get the same as the band that had 25 people show up, that's bullshit. Right. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. So on, on nights like that, they know that there's going to be people that show up because you know, that's what it is. Uh, yeah. So for example, I'm going to, I'm going to, give a couple of, of stories that I have. I mean, I have obviously many, but I'm going to give a couple that were kind of horror stories. One was um, last year, my band played at a club locally and um, the club owner had sent an email saying that she would pay for our meals. She would give us X number of dollars total for the bar tab for the whole band. Now I don't drink when I play. So that that's a gift. Yeah, for the that's whole like, band. I don't want you to pay for a bar tab. Yeah. Just give it to me in the in the in the proceeds. Yeah, but I that's fine. And but I drink water. And I was like, oh, I could drink soda at least for a little bit. Yeah. Because yeah. you know, it, you'd be surprised how much these places will yeah, yeah, yeah. soda. Yeah, like four bucks so, for a fucking Coke. I mean Yeah. And it's it's mostly ice. Yeah. So um, so why not just drink wa tap water, which is what the ice is anyway. So um anyway, so I I get uh out there and I get the um uh, I get to the gig and and we were getting ready to order food and the uh club owner says um I'm not paying for dinner I'm not paying for your food 
and we had an email that said she would. Yeah. And so there was a, it, it, so we stood our ground with that co that bar owner. I would have pulled out the email and been like, uh, he did, he did. <laughs> showed her the, showed her the email. And you know what she did? She never called us back for another gig. Yeah, I know. I know. But yep. that's, you got to stay on your ground on that. But you have to. And that's the thing. So, you know what? That just told me that's not the kind of person I want to work with. Yeah. I mean, that's basically the way you got to look at that is like, look, this is somebody who's just going to renegotiate as they go through it. And that's why even like the smallest of bands really should have some sort of a writer that says, okay, so this is our guaranteed funds at the end of the night. If you don't like it, like you just signed on the dotted line. So, um, yeah, you agree. So we, um, about, geez, close to 20 years ago, I was playing this place. Um, and uh, we got the door and um, we only charged because we, and they said you could charge whatever you want at the door. So we wanted to make it, there's so many places now that don't have, especially in, in the area we were in, that don't have a door fee. We didn't want to make it hugely expensive. Yeah, I mean, around here for, for a band playing like a bar, it's usually like five, seven bucks. I mean, it's nothing more than that, even now. So. Yeah. So, uh, they um they had this uh this thing where they said okay we'll we'll have you, you go ahead and charge what you want at the door for every x number of drinks we sell you know if we make x number of actually i think it, no it was if we make x number of dollars i want to say it was a thousand dollars at the bar we'll give you a, an added tip because if you make if we make a thousand dollars at the bar this was yeah. a place where if they made two hundred dollars in a night they were doing well it's this sounds like one of those places where like they really do depend on their live music to bring in money for the, the venue. And Absolutely. so they're willing so, to really play ball. So they said in anything, they said, uh, if we make 500, we'll give you a hundred. If we make a thousand, we'll give you $200 bonus. Yeah. And if anything over that, we'll give you a percentage. All right. Well, we dried the place, literally dried it out. There was no alcohol left to sell. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with the prices of alcohol at any given bar, but yeah. I know good gosh darn well that place made over a thousand dollars. Oh yeah, they probably made five or ten thousand dollars, if if not more than like twenty in some cases. Yeah, depending they, on how well stocked they are. Literally, the guy was going into his private reserve in the place to get um, to get uh, well drinks. At this point, yeah, there was yeah. no beer left. There was all their taps were floated. All of their um, so all their kegs, I mean tags, kegs were floated. All of the um, all of the alcohol was gone. We went up, and I said, um, "Okay, let me see the the receipts." And it was just like that meme. You, many of you have seen that meme where the the club owner and somebody is sitting there looking at a pile of money, and they go, "Okay, we made this much. Can we still pay the band hundred dollars?" They had money coming out of their asses. And they were not going to show you those receipts, were they? <laughs> not only did they not show me the receipts, the guy, um, the guy uh, said, um, well, you know, I don't know if we made a thousand. I looked at him dead in the eye. I said, I said, I know for a fact you have no alcohol left because your, your unfortunate deal with the devil here was all those people that came and paid $3 a piece to get in, they were my friends. Who gave me three dollars to come in? Those people, you know, they they drank you dry. And this was a place that held maybe one hundred and fifty people. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I, you, I could see definitely be like five to ten thousand dollars worth of profit on that. 
a good 65, 70 people were because they were, they were people who came there to see me in my new group. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, not being egotistic, but yeah, you, I hadn't, you stacked the I deck. I hadn't lived in the area. Yeah, I stacked the deck. I, I hadn't lived in the area in years. And so when I came back, people were like, oh, man, it's nice to have you back. We'd love to see you play. I'm playing it so-and-so. It was yeah. like this. And it was a little shit dive bar in a crappy neighborhood with no park. I bet you didn't play him again. Well, uh, the story goes deeper. Um, it's, a, it's, it's got a sad ending for them. Eh, I'm not so bad about it. Um, so when I went to, um, went to talk to the guy and he said, no, nah, I don't know if I made a thousand. I said, look, I know you made a thousand. And so he says, he says, all right. And so he gives me, and he reaches into a pocket with like this much money. In it. Yeah. And yeah. You don't see me. I'm like holding, holding a giant sandwich in my yeah, face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's got this much money just in his pocket. There's still money coming in or in the till. Yeah, they're still, they're still bringing the money in from the bar that, you know, so he could count it, you know? <laughs> and we knew, uh, we knew based on, um, so not everybody comes all night. Right. So I knew yeah, that yeah. by the number of, of $3 um, tickets that we'd sold, we had sold um, somewhere around 400 um, tickets, which means that people came in and out all night long. The place stayed packed all night, literally. I, like I said, it barely held 150 people. So there were people in and out constantly. And yet, um, so I knew that he had that pile of money. Plus, I had $3 for every person. So I had almost $1,200. So then um, they get, you know, I get the money from him. Um, and uh, he says, yeah, I want you to, to play, you know, in two weeks, blah, blah, blah. And we book it. And the place was closed. Yeah, so he played games with you. It was close. And, and he never called and said, Hey, I'm closing the place or, you know, you don't have to come play. You should schedule somewhere else. He closed. Yeah. And, and, and I, I've heard stories like that before where somebody made enough money that night. They were like, you know, I'm getting out of this business for good and uh, walk away. Um, yeah. He made, he made enough money to put a down payment on a house. I'm willing to bet you. I mean, when yeah. you sell Jack Daniels, anybody can tell you that they're making a hundred bucks on, on a bottle of Jack Daniels. When you sell like 20 bottles of Jack Daniels yeah. and you're selling all of your, all of your wine, all of your beer. And I mean, he had mostly shit beer in, in one of those coolers. I think he thought he was prepared. I said, you really better get prepared. I think he thought he was prepared. He had a, he had a couple of coolers with, or maybe know, like, he planned like, it and like, he knew oh. you guys were to drink him out and he was just going to walk away with the money anyway. And that's that's the, that's the thing that and you always wonder after the that doesn't like, did you get played for a fool? Yeah, and that doesn't include what they made in the kitchen. So going back to this this most recent gig that was a year ago for New Year's Eve, we're playing a Christmas gig. We've got a couple of gigs now lined up with the with the disco thing. So um, it's not Christmas, Christmas Day, a Christmas party that's coming up in a week or so. But anyway, so we um, when we played that gig on New Year's Eve, that place was. And we kept people there. I mean, a shitty band is going to drive people away. They're just not going to stay. Yeah, too they, many it's options. not they drive them away. It's just that people aren't interested. And so they walk in and right. walk out. Like that's Yeah, there's too many options. They walk in. They're like, oh, it's too loud or it's too soft or it's not my style of music or whatever. They walk away. We kept people interested. We kept people there. We had a, we had a lot of uh, follow-up gigs from it because people were like, man, I've got this party. I want you to play with this thing. I want you to play. So it, it, it really did well for us um, on that end. And um, 
So uh, it, we we saw them bringing in money and, and food galore. There were a lot of private parties and everything going on. They had a spillover place because they have a um, an off track betting and OTB thing. So they have a spillover into OTB. The spillover was practically it was just packed. And to to make it so, oh, I don't want to give you a ten dollar sandwich and you know a hundred dollar bar tab for the band, which yeah. which does not cost them a hundred dollars. No. It costs them like ten dollars. It's cost. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's labor and and the cost of the actual food they cook. I mean, <laughs> they're going to have the labor there whether you drink or not. Yeah, and so it's it's really down to and we tipped, and that was the thing about this band, and and um, I always recommend this to any band. If you're getting your drinks all night, whether you get them for free or you get them a discount yeah, or whatever, tip. tip. Do not be a cheap bastard. Because, because you don't if know if that person's in the in the back room later being like, "This band sucked because they were being dicks to me." Like, yep. You will you will get you get bath bad mouth bath mouth too. You don't want bath mouth. If yeah. you get bad mouth no. it, by the yeah <laughs> yuck, who wants bath mouth? I mean, if you get bad mouth by the staff, it, you can really wind up getting um a, a bad you know bad thing so you just you just don't want to do that. yeah i mean because i don't play i don't play covers like i think i'm in the fortunate position of never having to go through one of those situations where i've had to play like a, a christmas gig and that just does not sound appealing to me at all to go through all that rigmarole especially like on a christmas eve or something and you got to go argue with somebody to get paid and it's i mean honestly like there's and there's no way around it. If you've never if you've never played a bar gig, and for those of the playing basements, and you've never dealt with a club owner, because I have and, and Jim has as well, you've never dealt with the club owner and had them be like, "No, the, the deal was this." Like, and then you're like, "No, wait a minute, that was not the deal." Like, okay, so I have written consent, you know, of, of this, and you sit there and you have to argue with them, and it's because they're they, uh, listen. Most bars are not making money; they're breaking even, if that. Right. So when you go into the situation to play a gig, they're sitting there going, how can I get my fucking money back? Because I have to put all this money on promotion. And this might be the only way I make any more than breaking even this month to have this band here playing. And so you got to put yourself in their shoes. Like these guys are, are, are guys and gals both are, are, you know, of the, of the frame of mind, like that's my money that I'm giving you, you know? And so if I can keep it, I'm going to, and they will do whatever in their power they can do to make that happen. Which means I understand dick and re, you know rescinding things that they said that they were going to do, um, not following the, the terms of the agreement, and, and and look, some clubs are not that way. Like you'll go in and they, and everything will be copacetic because because they know like we have to deal with the talent because it's the only way we're going to pay our bills. Um, like the one place you were talking about, but other places it they're they're small and they're struggling, and so for them it's a big pain in the ass. We see it in our area, Jim. We have bars; they don't have PA systems. They expect you to bring in your own PA system for, for their, you know, for their installed club. Like they'll have the place where the, where the board goes and everything set up for you, but you have to bring in your own shit because they're not going to pay for it. Yeah. That, matter of fact, you're lucky if you're getting PAs these days. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, that's If you're playing that, you're playing a venue that actually cares about having live music or live entertainment. Um, but I've seen a lot of that going away and it's kind of funny because it's like, well, you know, honestly, if, 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 if I'm a venue, right. So like there's a place here called uh, the village tavern um, and yep. they're not really a venue. They have, they have a big bar trade and they have really good food and they're known for their, their chili and stuff. And everybody likes going there. It's always super busy. 
um, they have a they have a music installation in the back for like when they do quiz quiz night and all that stuff. But they have a professional music installation because they know that it's easier and sounds better. So it's better for the bar in general for them to have control over that whole thing if they should they so choose to do it. We have another bar that's right across the street. They do the same thing. They in their back room they have a server closet, and in that server closet is also where they have their live music stuff. Now, most of the bands that play there still bring their own PA, but if they so choose, they can use the, the bar's equipment and they'll just run you through their, their house speakers. And the, the, the logic there, of course, is that, again, they want to make sure that they have decent sound because if a band comes in and they sound like ass, it's not going to be good for the receipt. I know people think that that's like, oh, well, you know, you're just a bar band. Like nobody expects you to sound really that great. But the reality is that little subconscious thing that goes on when you hear a band, the perfect clarity is, wow, these guys are really good. And then, right. and then you might be more apt to dance. You might be more, more apt to hang around at the bar and drink. Like those are the things that the bars think about. So for the, it is their, to their advantage to put in a sound installation in their venue, could, should they be able to afford it. And I'm thinking that nowadays that the, the, um, cause the economy has been crap for, you know, a number of years for these places, especially bars. Um, you could see when a bar, like a bar that used to be a bar starts, starts upping their food game because they realize like proceeds on alcohol are really not going to cut it. And, and I'll explain to you why it's because, so if you're Anheuser-Busch or your Budweiser or any of these companies that, that, that sells alcohol to, to bars in, in the keg, where, where did your profit go? Your profit went to running the truck because the price of gasoline has tripled in the last 10 years. So for them, you know, that they have no profit margin. So they're no longer giving the deals to the bars. So the bars are eating that money themselves, which means the bars aren't making money. So they're looking for other avenues to do it. Quiz night, karaoke night. I mean, I remember when the only, you go to a bar here locally and they would have something going on Friday and Saturday night, nothing in the other night. Now they have something every single night. And it's because yeah. they have to pack that place because otherwise they can't make enough money to stay open. Yeah, I was... So that's the other side of things. So I want to get to the responsibility as musician mm-hmm, to the mm-hmm. bar. Sure, sure. Um, so it's expensive now. Insurance is terrible. I've been so I've been of legal drinking age since 1982. Oh yeah, they, I didn't even think about that. The insurance is another another huge like what the fuck, you know? So yeah. A club is paying um, their bar staff or wait staff um, if they have food. They've got a chef. Those people are not inexpensive. I know that a lot of bar chefs make pretty good money. Yeah. For, for um, what, the, for what, you know, in, in that field, like you can work at Chili's and you'll make this amount. You work at a bar, you might make double that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so a decent um, person uh, or, you know, a, a decent um, person that can work behind the, um, or in the, in the kitchen all night can make a killing in the right, um, in the right place, in the right area, especially if you can make, if you can make a burger or, a, um, uh, you know, or wings or a, a pizza that people love and get people to keep coming back, man, they will, uh, you know, they will kiss your ass seven ways to Sunday. Well, and a lot of them wind up being restaurant owners or club owners. And so. I think it really, I think it really helps because of where you're at, that, that, that's a big deal here in Chicago. Yep. There's so much competition for those jobs that those people get paid peanuts compared to what they're really? probably getting down there. Oh yeah. I have yeah. a friend. He was a, um, he was a chef for, well, 
he he was a like a short order cook for like three different restaurants at one point. He spoke two languages because he had to speak two languages. You can yep. probably guess what those two languages would be. Um, yep. And uh, well, in your area, that's Canadian and yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah sure, it sure is um, Canadian and Chicagoan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, actually, there's three languages if you really want to argue about it, but we're not going to get into that. So uh, he 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 spoke like two languages and a half, right? Yep. And um, he would he he would have like really good yields because that was a big deal. Like if you're cooking steak, you had to have good yields where you would get the most return on the steak for you know for what the cut is and all that. And of course, you'd be slicing your own back there. They don't order it pre-sliced in most cases. So um, he was he was really good at it, but he couldn't make ends meet doing it. And the other thing that happens yeah. when you're, and this is why they pay him so much. The other thing that happens when you're, a, when you're a, a cook, especially at a bar, you're there till last call, <laughs> you know, even if, even if the, the, uh, the bar shuts down, you know, cooking at like midnight, you're there till last call. Cause you're usually cleaning up and the, the bars are under huge scrutiny from, from your, your public health office and all those things that, that are local. So if they come in and inspect, if they come in and inspect your liquor license, which they do regularly, they want to make sure you're not doing anything you're not supposed to be doing um they will probably also do a public health inspection at the same time and you can just basically guarantee that you know you're going to get audited so they 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 have to make sure the place is clean at all times it's, it's a, a whole thing um actually the, the same guy used to work at a a local neighborhood bar and he used to talk about that um i i fortunately that was a connection we had and we got to play that bar several times but um it was just it was just an interesting situation because it's you'd think that, you know, even though they're making a lot of money, but the, the one thing is a lot of times they're paid by the hour and they don't work eight hours a day. They might work six hours a day. And the other thing is like, it screws up their day night schedule. So they can't even have a day job to fill out the extra remaining full-time job. So that's why the, the bar guys usually make more money. Um, and you know, when they, when you were talking about labor and stuff and like what, why they want, wouldn't want to give you, time or money off the bar I, I i don't i mean i don't know whether that has any bearing on that to be honest with you but i'll let you go on i just want to give you some insight because i because i know some people have done it before yeah so in the music world obviously you have to you have to think about what are the what are the what are this competition doing yeah so um there's there's a couple things that this this really hits the ego hard the individual ego hard. And that is this. Um, if you're a musician and you're in a club to play music, and I've talked about this before, you are there. Um, and matter of fact, this goes right along with our artistic sensibilities. You are there to, um, to keep people drinking and enjoying themselves. So although there, you may think that you've created the greatest music in the it's world ain't about art it's about beer this, that's right it's about sales now there are venues where they are art oriented there are indie music clubs and that that's just the same as when someone goes to church they don't expect heavy metal they kind of probably expect well my expect uh, they don't expect non-black metal right they expect christian music not you know uh, black sabbath so <laughs> I, I mean I'm just saying that when you when you look at um, selling your band, and that's really what you're doing, you're selling your 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 time and your effort. 
um, you really want to make sure that you're you're doing it in the right places to the right people. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, so for example, I'm an originals guy. I'm not going to go to the to the bar down the street and be like, yeah, we want to we want to play originals for you, because that's not really what they want. They want people to be familiar with the music so they feel comfortable. Because then they'll right. drink more. Like that's that's kind of the psychology behind that. Now there there are places and and some cities where original music sells real well. Yeah, well, and you could certainly go in there and you could be like, look, I know you're usually a, a cover band, but I can pack this place. And if you could deliver on that, they might take a chance on you one time. If you can deliver right. on that and that reputation gets around, that's how those bands take off. But the thing is, you got to be able to deliver on that, and most people who play originals can't deliver on that. They get 25 people and show up and that's it. That's right. And so um, going, going right along with that, um, it's, a, it's an important thing to, uh, to look at how can you, how can you best uh, get your band to get gigs? A, a lot of people are like, oh, this, we're the best band. We play, we play stuff nobody else plays. That doesn't that might matter. Be- that, that might be the exact problem. opposite. Like you want to play things other people play in some cases because that may yeah. be the regional favorite. Um, as long as yeah, and so you've got to think about okay, do people want something like if you're all right, let's let's say you live in South Florida or anywhere along coastal Florida, you're probably gonna play some island music, you're probably gonna play um, you know, some Jimmy yeah, Buffett. Because you're ter- you're you're um you're tailoring your set to the the uh vacationers right you may have a steel drum in a band and you come out here you probably don't have a steel drum in a band unless you play the beach and in the summer you might have that steel drummer in the band you get my drift right yeah oh you might you might play death metal because there was a south florida death metal scene so there (laughs) yeah there is probably not on the beach but yeah yeah for the locals, I mean, you know, inland somewhere in some dive bar. <laughs> if you play, um, if you play in areas that have like, um, uh, my band was playing um, a local um, LGBT club. And so we had to sit down and go, okay, what songs are going to work um, in a club like that? Sure, sure. And, you know, because that's a challenge we, too, because they have their own like genre. I'm, I'm, I'm being as inclusive as possible. They have their own genres. And so like they have celebrities within their, their uh, subculture that aren't necessarily, you may not even know them. For example, Lady Gaga came out of that. Nobody knew who she was. She had 10 albums or something before she had a hit. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, we, um, when we went to play there, you know, we, you sit down and you talk to the people who um, do uh, or, or who, who work there and you say, what are the, what is the music that, in, here's our set list. This is our list of songs we know, which is a good thing for you to have on hand, by the way. Whether you have it on an Excel spreadsheet or a, yeah, yeah, or yeah. a list in your phone, always, if you add and subtract songs, don't go, don't have them go, oh man, I really love that. Oh, we haven't played that in 10 years. Yeah. Don't have well, that on your first, list. First then. off, yeah, curate your right. list. Second right. off, don't, it, it, I would never tell somebody we haven't played something in 10 years because yeah. let's face it. <laughs> Mo- the vast majority of the songs you're playing in a cover band are something you can you can spruce up pretty quick to get it to get it out there and, and get, get playing it. Vast right. majority. I'm not saying all of them. Obviously, uh, Jim's Jim's been working on a few tunes that uh, have taken him 
taken him a significant amount of time to, to learn them correctly. And so like, that's where, you know, those are the songs where you would be like, nah, that shouldn't really be on the list, you know, but, yeah. but, you know, if it's like, like um, a whole lot of love from Led Zeppelin, like anybody can play that. I mean, that's, that's, it's not hard. You just gotta, you know, rehearse it once and then you're ready to go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Black dog, that type of thing. I mean, the idea is at least to get um, communication breakdown though. Yeah. You might want to work on that one a little bit and, and have yeah. it, you know, prepared before you put it on your list. Yeah, I got a friend. He's got a lot of Led Zeppelin in his set list, and I'm like, wow, I can't re- believe you can remember all that shit. I actually um, remember quite a few Led Zeppelin tunes, but it's because the riffs are all so unique, like you can't forget them. Right, and that's really it. Um, uh, I'll get to that in a second because I really want to talk about how do you remember all this music, especially the especially um, the Christmas music because it's like you play it one time a year, you know? Yeah, that's yeah. So we'll talk about how you can keep that stuff fresh in your mind. Uh, but anyway, so. There is the um, <clears throat> there's that uh, part of it, you know, that that thing where you're you're just cramming, you know, yourself to to be in there. Um, don't shoehorn yourself. Don't go into a club that you you just wouldn't fit in. Like I wouldn't come into a death metal club and go, "Hey, man, uh, do you want to hire us? Can I play all Lang Syne for you? Yeah, we're gonna play we're gonna play Don, Dan Fogelberg's greatest hits. Oh, good um, God, <laughs> yeah." yeah. After you just followed the Napalm Death cover band, you know, you're like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the last band was the ba- the last band was um uh was named uh we eat uh, we eat flesh. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> you're like you're like all right, set time for some Dolph Probably probably don't want to follow them. Yeah, um, but but then again, they wouldn't want to follow us. It was ju- it was just like when Hendrix was booed off stage when he was opening for the Monkees. I mean. I mean I got to just take an aside. Well, funny, funny story. Like I used to play, there was a um, a place here called six two North. And they used to do like uh, under 18 shows. And this is back when I was under 18 um, right. and, and a little after 18 actually. Um, Cause we had people that would come to our shows that were, you know, younger. So we would do, we would book these and it would be like a weekend and they'd have like eight bands playing. And you yeah. would not believe where they would stick us in the set. It was so funny. Cause we like, we were like a classic rock band. Well, not even, we were a, modern band but we were inflected with a lot of classic rock sounds and stuff like we i would say we right. were kind of like greta van fleet-esque of that time and right. it was so funny because we did that play in between like a pantera cover band and like you know some other crazy death metal act after us <laughs> we just sit there and go well we tried <laughs> so that was what probably 2000 area uh yeah like, uh no nah, because i don't think i started playing until i don't think i started playing out until my senior year so that would have been like 2003 oh shut up yeah I was retired from the Navy for four years. Anyway, <laughs> I, so when, uh, <laughs> see my debut, that's insane. You, all right. So, <laughs> uh, guys, he's just making me feel old anyway. So yeah, but I, I'm getting to that. Um, the things that you want to do that any band, I don't care what band you are. You talked about ghost. I'm going to get to that. Eh, is, we can talk is, about somebody uh, else if you want. No, Ghost, um, uh, Campbell Corpse, um, those guys. What is it? That, what is it that makes them stand out from every other freaking hardcore death metal, black metal, whatever metal, professionalism, grunge metal, professionalism? Uh, for me, I mean, for me, it's professionalism because, like, going through the the other band, like, let's go back to that show I went to where we saw Campbell Corpse. Going that's what I was. Three other bands. They were all, they, they didn't have the sound, number one, which I don't know was their fault or the club's fault, but yep. like they didn't have the sound. 
And number two, like they would come out and do their sound check themselves on stage. And, and just that like little thing, like them coming out and playing like a half a tune to get geared up. just seems ridiculous. It's yeah. Funny. But you know, I, I paid 25 okay. bucks to get into this show and I'm going to watch the band themselves do the sound check. That's kind of weird. I, yeah. But you know what, believe it or not, if it's a bar, I expect that the but, headliner but stage. So for me, it's like, this is a little weird. Yeah. But the headliners, a lot of times I get that they, they shouldn't be doing that, but right. But some of the headliners do. They want to. That is their preference. Yeah, no, and, and I, get, I get that. A lot of bands, the first song in there says a throwaway song anyway because they know, like, the, report, the performance and the energy that happens when they come on the stage is going to be enough that they can, they can fix up the mix yep. as they're going through their first song. Right. So but I can tell you this. As, as far as um, having been an um, opening act, sometimes you're lucky if you get a sound. Yeah, a lot of them are lucky. I know. Plus, you have to remember, so as... I don't know what they did there, but a lot of times they'll have the stage set. So the drums and the back line for the, for the headliners yeah. is already done. Yeah, dude. No, they, they did it for all three bands. So the first band comes out and they got like eight inches to move around in. It was ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. And, and that can make it difficult for you. Yeah, and dude, if you're people, not I see people fall off the stage in places like that before. Cause there's no fucking right. room. And it's like, what are you doing? And if you're not comfortable in that environment, where you can play like that, it can really, really set you off as an individual and as a player. Um, I have played in clubs um, where, you know, or well, on stages where, you know, you were the the um, opening act and you're playing to an empty place where most people are out, they're still coming, um, they're still getting their tickets and they're still buying beer. They have no interest in you whatsoever. You may or may not be, heard at all and i've played those ones where you know i was backing up the the you know the, the big act and it's like holy shit look at all these people i can't hear myself i'm playing by memory <laughs> i hear it i hear a tick in my ear and that's the one that i'm going by yeah uh, yeah well you know and if i was so if i'm a band i get asked to open because two of those bands were local bands if i got yeah. asked to open up for like cannibal corpse on that night my yeah. first thought would be what can I do to reduce my footprint on stage? Because I right. don't want to be that band because I'd like to be called back. You know what I mean? Exactly. And these guys all had half stacks and shit. Every single band had half stacks behind them. And I'm going, dude, I would have a helix on the floor, plug directly into the PA and hope for the best. Because <laughs> then maybe I'll at least get to come back, you know? So, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to get at. So when you look at that professionally, you look at this stuff, again, you get to where... Um, if you're objective, especially if you're an originals band, you are going to open for somebody. I don't yeah. care how big you are. Yeah. You're going to wind up opening for somebody at some point. Yeah. That's going to be part of your thing. And so you have to be prepared. There's, I don't know if I've ever heard of a national act that didn't open for somebody. Yeah, no. And, and, and not only is it part of the game, but it's a rite of passage. Yeah. Or, I mean, like, but imagine you were a band like back in the seventies opening up for Led Zeppelin. How fucking cool would that be? And the exactly. whole thing is like, that's what's going to endear you to people. So you got to put your best foot forward there. You don't want to sound like shit. You want to do everything in your power not to sound like shit. Right. And if you're opening for, um, let's say that band that opened for Cannibal Corpse, if you're opening for Cannibal Corpse, there's two things you want to make sure of. One, those are the people that when they get done, they're going to come see you later. They want to come see you later. Yeah. So two, that was the whole reason you did it. A lot of times that band either got paid peanuts or not at all. 
Yeah. So they, um, when they show up, um, they're, your goal, I should say, they, when you show up, your goal should be, I'm creating an audience today. Yeah. I, I am adding, you know, X number, X percent of these people that show up. Would you say there was like uh, 1,500 people? Yeah, probably. That was like a, the capacity of the club and it was sold yeah. out. So, yeah. So let's say there was 1,500 people there. So um, if there's 1,500 people there and you're looking at even just 10% of that, that's 150 followers you just, you just got. Yeah. That's uh, a lot. Even if it's half that. I mean, yeah. like, honestly, I've seen Facebook pages, of some of these local bands that have like three followers and you're like, why yeah. do you even bother? For one no. night. Yeah. <laughs> like the guy that has the uh, practical guitarist um, uh, Facebook page. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah but yeah. Um, the, uh, yeah. So you sit there, you got to say, okay, I'm shooting for 10% of these people. So uh, of course you want the most you can get, but I'm shooting 10, 10% of these people. You have to get the Gene Simmons mentality. I and mean, those of you who hate Gene Simmons are like Gene Simmons. It's the one thing that he said that stuck with me forever. That is, you are not just playing for the person that's sitting there right in front of you, smiling and in your no, face. You're paying. That person, that person's been convinced. You're, you're playing, playing for, for that all. Person. Well, and, and I'll take it a step further. You're playing for all the people you could prospectively play for in the future. And that's Absolutely. not just the people in the venue. I mean, that's word don't assume, around too. Right. Don't assume that just because there's somebody in the back that's watching the game, mm-hmm. that they aren't listening to you. Mm-hmm. And they aren't like, you know what? I, because that might be their thing to have live music and watch the game. So br- and, to, br- to bring this back to original topic, this is exactly the reason that if you're playing a Christmas gig, you should ask for more money. Uh, and and, and I, the, the, I'm going to explain why. So if you're playing a gig like that, even as a cover band and you get in front of people as an opening act and you, you know, everybody like kind of latches on, you don't get that as a Christmas band. Nobody's like right. watching you and then going, man, I really like the way they play jingle bells tonight. So now, yeah, no. so now next year, I'm going to look for this band and go see him again. That's no, not the were, way it works. They have forgotten you. Yeah. Those gigs. Those gigs are typical throwaway gigs. Throwaway I mean, gigs. You got paid extra to be on the road when it was shitty, slippery. If you're in a if you're in a winter environment, it might be slippery outside. You get the drunks on the road, especially those New Year's Eve gigs. Oh my God! You get the the what they call the the um, amateurs. It's it, it, some people call it amateur yeah. night, and meaning that the the people that don't typically drink and drive are out there drinking. Right, and drive. right, right. I mean, so. Make yourself, make sure that when you're playing out, you, you personally are getting what you think you deserve. And, and so let's go back to that, that thing about the, the gig. So, so you're, yeah. So you should show your music when you get, I don't care what band you are. I don't care if you're a Barry metal cover band, a sticks cover band, an Iron Man cover band, or you're covering Cannibal Corpse. You should know, or you're doing your own thing. You should know that music. That's mm-hmm. number one. You should know it inside and out. Because that's going to allow you to know your audience. Right. And I'm going to get into a little bit of that here in a second. You should, you should have a, a really strong grasp on um, how you're going to present yourself on stage. Are you wearing makeup? You're not wearing makeup. Are you got, you got a certain outfit that you're wearing or not? You know, what is, what is your look? Yeah. Because that does matter. People remember, people remember three things about you, how you sounded, how you looked and how you came across. I think sometimes it's how how you look is more important than how you sounded. 
So, well, obviously in, in uh, Rihanna's case with work, 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 that's definitely. The, <laughs> no, but I mean, like if you're in a, so if you're in a venue and you're, you're playing, you're opening for Cannibal Corpse, right? Like we go back to our whole open yeah. scenario. Yeah. Um, I think your visual look, if you show up wearing a t-shirt and jeans and you come out you're, and you play your guitar, that, that's not going to work for nope. those people. And so it makes yep. a huge impact on whether you're going to get called back. Absolutely. Now, if you're, if you're a Jimi Hendrix cover band, you might consider, even though you're probably wearing jeans and sneakers, put your, put your acid headband on. <laughs> you might, yeah, you might consider that, that um, headband or that wild shirt, you know, give, give your audience something to remember you by and don't have a stupid name. Nobody can remember. Yeah. Yeah. Cut it like, up with something at least is like memory. <laughs> that's 25 things. And if you got a logo, make sure they can read it. <laughs> Say your name a few times during the show. Not don't be a rapper and say your name a few yeah, times. Like come out, but you'll come out, play your first song, and then say, you know, hey, we are X. And then the second to last song, you stop. You say, hey, this is, you know, we are whatever your band name is. And then this is this on the, you know, this person on the drums and this person on bass and this person on guitar. You know, and we are. Right. So that's it. There's three times. Yeah. So what we, um, every band I've come in, been in, uh, has come up with is a way to introduce the band members, um, while doing a little solo. So you're doing a musical thing. Yeah. 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 Jim on guitar, then, you know, so-and-so on bass. I mean, I know it's been done a hundred times, but dude, it's, it's, it's something it's professional. That, it's, it's polished. It's professionalism. Exactly. The other it, thing it is, gives you a name to them, Jim. And I can't stress this enough. I don't care if your drummer has the fanciest fucking drum set on earth, that front bass drum head better have your band logo on it. Yeah. If you can do that, that's always that's a good where, Dude, I've been to so many shows where people, bands are opening and they're like, oh, who, what's the name of this band? And it's right there on the, yeah. ba- like if it's not on the bass drum, you know, they're never going to remember, but like they might be able to look at it. And you know, I've seen people now putting that note in their phone. Right. Oh, that's like, what I was just going to get at now with instant remembrance. People are going to look you up on Facebook. Tell your Facebook page why you're on stage. We used to have a banner we'd hang Whether off it's the, in a banner, the front of the stage. Right. Whether it's in a banner or something. A lot of the times when you're opening, you do not get a chance for a banner. No. So, we, had yeah, no we could just front, like literally throw right over the monitors in front. And <laughs> yep. Fuck it. Monitors. Uh, that's what I was going to say. On the front of the stage. Or if you can get it on a little, um, you know, uh, uh, I hate to put the Stonehenge thing. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. From, but get a little stone edge thing and you can just kind of <laughs> wheel out behind you or whatever you, wheel you it do. out, wheel it back, you know, at least and, and, and wrenching it. Um, that way people like you, Hey man, yeah, I should check these guys out and so on and so forth. Right. Um, it, the biggest thing is that, that, um, you want to make it so that, that that's advertising when you play out. Yeah. That's advertising. Like you said, you know, about uh, your band thing last week. Um, you know, you want to be able to, if you're going to market yourself, you're marketing yourself as, as there's, if you're doing originals, there's three types of marketing you're doing, right? You want to sell your, your records. Yeah. You want to sell your merchandise and you want to sell your live performances. Yep. Yep. And and the other thing is like, we're in the unique position that what we do is also, it not only is the product, the product, but it's also the sales vehicle for more of the product. So exactly. it's a very strange industry. Cause like, you know, brand loyalty doesn't exist now in retail but in music it does yeah. so if you come out and you see a band and you're like oh they're good and then you get that person becomes a fan whatever criteria you set for that they're going to carry that on 
and then they're going to come see you again. And you better have it again. You better be able to deliver again. And that's the thing. Like your product becomes self-sustaining at that point. No other industry has that. Yep. Maybe the and cell phone industry. Maybe. The consistency of night after night being able to produce the same level of performance. So don't pick keys that are high. Don't do, you know. And so I want to finally get to remembering music. So we had a we had a listener a while back ask, how do you remember so many songs? Yeah, I remember that. You know, I, I probably have a list of 400, 500 songs. I can literally play right now. You could say, Jim, can you play this song? Yes, I can. And the thing is, I might, there might be a little place where I, I struggle a little bit. Yeah, but, but I mean, you, can get, you can choke through it, you know. I'll get there. I will get through it. And, and, the, um, and so here's how I do it. Because obviously I cannot sit and play 400 songs re- rehearsal-wise, night after night after Obviously, I can't. And and here's the thing, though. That I'm gonna get I'm gonna get two levels of knowing songs. Okay, I'm gonna get to two levels. There's knowing songs, like you said. I can get through it. If I do a solo gig, I just gotta ask. Can you do a solo gig on November 30th? Sure. Can you fill you know X hours? I got this. I can do it tomorrow. You know why? Because I'll get out there, and if I if I blow a chord, who's gonna know? Yeah. Me. I better sing to that chord, and then remember. That was bad. Yeah, Sing don't do that again. <laughs> switch the chord up. And there it is. Got it. Um, or play a solo that's a little off. Who cares? It's me. And I'm the one comping myself. So who cares? So there's that level of, of um, knowing the songs. But there's a level of, if you're a band, everybody needs to, if there's, if there's, if there's three things that'll blow a song, it's the beginning, the ending, and any stops in between. So if you have like a, um, you know, where you go and, and everybody stops. Yeah. And, and something okay. happens. And somebody go back in. stop. Right. Uh, or somebody goes like this. And so it sounds like that. I don't know if that came across in the microphone, but where there's a, there's a, you know, a millisecond. Yeah, you don't stop on exactly the same time, you know, and that, and that, that depends on the style of music too. Like if you're, so if you're playing something that's a little bit more rough around the edges, yep. not you know, you're talking about pop important. music or anything like that, then you can kind of get away with it. But you do have to stop. You can't have some guy hold the cord on, you know, while everybody else is muted. You know, it, it, it can sound awful. Uh, typically, that's a, that's a um, you know, uh, a signature part of, of some of these songs. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Stop. Yeah, in general. And so a lot of times it'll be, okay, you stop, but these two guys keep playing or whatever. And it's like, oh, you know, you got to so- balance that. Essentially what you're saying, Jim, and I'm going to try to put a fine point on this, and that's the idea that you need to know some specifics about the song, but you don't necessarily need to know every single minute detail about a song to be able to perform it. You just got to know, you know, beginning metal stops. And then um, you also want to know the the structure of the song too. And that's, and those you can, you can put those notes down right on a set list right next to the song too. So if you if you have trouble remembering, you just look at it. and You go, all right, yeah, I know where I'm at. Like I remember. No, I'll give you a, I'll give you a perfect example. One of the one of the bar, bar band um, classics uh, is um, Jesse's Girl. Yeah, yeah. And believe it or not, he does Jesse's Girl once, then he does it twice, then he does it three times when he does the chorus. So you've got the first time it's one, you know, I want Jesse's yeah. Girl, da, 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 Jesse's Girl, da. and then he does it twice, and then he does it three times. So you've got to know which one, which one, 
Which one am I on? You got to remember. Can I count to three? I don't know. <laughs> we joke about that every time we do a rehearsal. But it, in other words, even the biggest bands in the world, I don't care if you're the Rolling Stones, who have, you know, got millions of songs in their vocabulary or whatever, they rehearse to the point that it hurts. Yeah. Get yeah. it right for the stage. But there's a lot of things they're rehearsing, and it's not just the music. Well, you really do need to rehearse. I, um, a band that sits there and says, are you guys ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? What are you doing? You, you, you rehearsed. Just played up in songs. You know, you're losing the audience. The way we always uh, started out gigs was like, we literally count off. We would go on stage. As soon as we got set up, everybody would look at each other, give each other the nod, and then we start counting. And that's it. Like, yeah. there's no... There's no, are you ready to go? Like on the microphone or like walking over yeah. to somebody talking to them. We literally uh -huh. nodded each other. One, two, three, go. <laughs> you know, and that was right. it. Um, but that's, yeah, that's part of what I'm getting at. You know, the set list, play by the set list. You know, yeah. I know there's always that, that one person that wants to go, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to change things up. Can we slip this one song in? Uh, no, yeah, can, no oh, don't do it. <laughs> This hot chick at the bar wants me to play this tune and really. Yeah, if you're, you're going to do that in between a break, that's one thing, but yep. like not right in the middle of a fucking set where this girl's like winking at you and you're like, oh, I'm going to play that song for her. No, don't do it. You will crash and burn. I have seen it. <laughs> yeah, because you pull one out of your rear end in the middle of the thing. Oh, my God. It can, it can really bite you. And, and it can make you. The problem is it might, it might endear you to that chick that time. But it, it lo loses the rest of the people, and that's that's what we're getting at. Is yeah, professional? It's not you worth it. Professional, no, and it's not worth it. It's not worth trying to get a you know um, a little bit on the side at the end of the night. It's not worth getting the the free you know uh, a beer that some your buddy comes and oh man, remember when we were teenagers and you used to play this tune? You play that for me tonight? Oh no, you gotta be kidding me! You know. Um, Nobody else in the band knows it. Okay, guys, it's just three chords. Just follow along. Then they get to a bridge they completely forgot was eight chords. Um, and then everybody's like, I don't know what's. And, and, you know, and, and converse to that, the other, the other risk you run is forgetting you have an audience. And yeah. I've run into that before, too, where you're like, I'm going to play this song because I really want to play it. And you're like, no, this audience doesn't want to hear it. Like, you know you got to be mindful of the fact that a you are playing for an audience and b you're you're not playing for one person you're playing for the audience like that, that it's it's a double edged sword you have to be really careful right. about how you how you structure that so right. um, that's what i was getting at it's it's really important to remember so it's professionalism if you want if you want people to remember you for a certain look have that look if you want to have people remind you remember you to be for being nice people or or anything in between you want them to know you for that if you if you're like guar i was watching the interviews with uh the, the guy that we talked about that passed away from guar. odorous among us yeah odorous let me tell you something he was always a, he was always on he was yep. always in character that character was you knew he was campy and hilarious yeah that character That's what i loved uh, yeah, about him yeah he was he was HR puffing stuff in a death metal band or yeah. whatever you call him. I mean, the, the, this, guy, this guy was hilarious. Um, uh, great loss, you know. Uh, uh, it's just sad. But um, my point there is, if you want people to know you for that, you better be in that character. I mean, when Kiss shows up for something, you know, since since they took the makeup off, they could do both. But before that makeup thing, 
they were in that makeup all and they were on yeah and that's that is the difference between um you know in cannibal corpse and uh, uh ghost these guys are on they are they are cannibal corpse when they're on that stage you are a character you, oh, you yeah. really are yeah you you can't be yourself you can't have a bad day you don't get to have you know it, it's it's hard it's hard work and most bar bands are not ready for that. That's why you're still a bar band. When I, when, um, whenever I've been in a band that like, I go, Hey, how come we're not getting that gig? And they go, well, man, we're not that good. And I tell, I told them a hundred times, you know why we're not that good? Because we're not that good. Not their fault. We're not that good. It's not the bar's fault. We're I not always, that good. so I, it's us not working. One of us or all I of us never holding us back. I've never really had that conversation with a band where like we've looked at a band on stage and especially at, like a festival or something been like they're better than us. No, really that more of that conversation is how do we, how do we get better than them? How do you, and get that's, right. and that's like, that's the way the conversation should be phrased. And that's but the way it why should be do that is how do we do that? You know, that's, yeah, and I can't tell you how many bands I was in where they went, well, we'll never be that good. Well, then what are we doing this for? And then fuck off. Like, you know, like I don't want to play with you anymore. Like that's, that's not the point of this. If um, all you wanted was fun and free beer and then you shouldn't <laughs> have to join. Cause that's not what I was after. Yep. So, um, you know, we've kind of gone off topic here, but I think these are all valid things. I think it's really important to talk about. Um, I don't think it, I think it all comes down to, uh, um, uh, at the very end is if you're going to have gigs, whether they're holiday gigs or whatever, you know, your holiday gigs, number one, you should get more money. Number two, you should always be professional. Number three, you know, you, you need to be musical. You need to be, you need to be personable. You need to be on time. All yeah, those I, things come in with that professionalism. The, the one thing I want to leave the audience with before we go away, um, because we talked about how holiday gigs basically being throwaway for like all person, you know, points and purposes of your band. If you, if you don't feel like you're going to be the best holiday band ever, I would even think about uh, performing under an alternate name. Because, and it doesn't follow you around. Um, yes, like soft white underbelly, mm-hmm. blue oyster cult. So just think about it. I mean, that may be an option for you. You play that gig, and then you walk away, and you go back to your original band name. And it also gives people who play in originals bands the ability to say, "Okay, tonight we're going to be, you know, the Jolly Little Elves or whatever the fuck you want to call yourself." And yeah. everybody's like, "Okay, yeah, I get that." And you might want to change your costumes up too. I don't think I want to see a black metal band come out in corpse paint and play, you know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Actually, I, honestly, if I saw some shit like that, I would be like, it's this kind of hilarious thing on earth. But yeah. my, my point is that like the rest of the audience may not feel that way. And so you might want to think about getting out the Santa hats, you know, and stuff like that. Again, it can be if fun. it doesn't fit your image, you might want to change your band name for that night. Right. If it doesn't fit your image. If you're coming out there and it fits your image and you're doing your thing, like me, I'm in a yacht rock band. That's exactly what we are. There's no, there's no hiding it. Um, that's what you do. Right. Right. And, and out, enjoy it, you know, right. make the most of it. So with that uh, episode, you know, in the can now, I have been David. And I've been Jim. And we have been. Right. Practice. Practice.